2020 has been one of the strangest years to date and I think we can all agree we are in dire need of a bit of festive cheer and fun and campness. I am Christmas obsessed and have a few friends who feel the same. Join us over the next few days as we laugh about the ghosts of Christmas's past, present and future. I hope this podcast keeps you company as you pick up the last of your gifts, finish up work and settle in for some cosy nights at home surrounded by loved ones and miles and miles of tinsel. I'm Brian Dowling and this is Brian's Big Camp Christmas Chats. Oh, it's Christmas week and I know just the person to lead the festive cheer. It's everyone's favourite kitchen hero. It's Donald Skeen. Today on Brian's Big Camp Christmas Chats, I finally get to sit down and have a chat with one of my dear friends. It's Donald Skeen. I am just thrilled that you've designed a podcast that you can finally interview me on. Donald, thank you so much. And did I pronounce your surname correct? No, you always pronounce my surname absolutely terribly. You're my good friend of many years and you insist on calling me Skihan, but it is Skihan. Skihan. It's not a very Irish name, is oh, it? Oh, for goodness sake. I, I why does this always come up? <laughs> this is like, this is my name. It's as Irish as it comes. I the, the name used to be on bloody Guinness bottles. My granddad used to bottle Guinness. So it's that's how feckin' Irish it is. I was going through my phone the other day when Arthur was doing something on his laptop and blah, blah, blah. And I found loads of videos because we were obviously neighbours in Los Angeles together. And I found videos of you and I dancing absolutely shit-faced before I was a contestant on Dancing with Stars. And they are hilarious. I think I'm even throwing blankets up in the air and I'm trying to dip you and you're like, now I'm too drunk for this. This was our, our moment to train you. Arthur, your husband, has spent years trying to show you how to dance. Thank and yet... you for referencing who Arthur is in case no one knew he was my husband. Thank you. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm a husband. consummate professional. <laughs> if you're only tuning in now, Brian's a gay man and he's right to his husband called Arthur. My very first question, and I think I already know the answer to this. How has 2020 been for you considering you've moved countries in the middle of a global pandemic well i hate to lead with uh, a swear word but 2020 has been an absolute shit show <laughs> that's not a shit's not a swear word by the way <laughs> there you go it, <laughs> you want to know a swear word babe you're oh. talking to the right guy oh, Jesus, don't get you started um 2020 has been excuse my french it has been probably one of the most difficult years we've ever had um we had a newborn we had a transatlantic move we left in a pandemic we arrived in Ireland in a pandemic. Uh, we said goodbye to our home of four and a half years. We arrived into Ireland that was in complete lockdown and had to try and like scramble to get some semblance of a, of a new life set up. Um, and then I feel like we're still kind of getting our heads around it. It's, you know, we're still kind of in and out of lockdowns and, you know, people trying to figure out things. Um, yeah, so it's it's been a rough year. Um, and personally speaking as well, you know, I've, I've had, I think I, I suffer a little bit from anxiety and um, burnout particularly because, you know, you kind of go from highs and lows in, in the work I do. And I, I definitely this year just kind of exasperated a lot of that. So um, I definitely think, in accumulation it was it was a rough year but you know on the flip side of it i always have to bring it back to the positives and you know we've two beautiful healthy little boys we're all still mm -hmm. together everything's good and you know you have to focus in on the positive stuff even though uh the world might be falling apart around you did you find it you know really difficult then how do you during that shit show of 2020 how do you dig deep into the reserve tank of positivity 
you know, because you re- it's almost like you should retrain yourself, do you? Yeah, well, you know, I think I've always been like outwardly so positive, and I think people know me to be quite, you know, the slappy, happy, smiling guy on the telly. Annoying me so. Annoying me so. Some might say. <laughs> so I, I mean, I would. Uh, you would never say that, of course. But no, I mean, I think because of that, you know, it almost feels like a mask you wear, and and I think this year, in some ways, has kind of allowed me to to let that mask slip a little bit and be a bit more honest and kind of have conversations that I haven't had before um, about where I'm at. And, you know, in, in a way that's been quite freeing. And I think a lot of people are doing that. You know, I've seen it across social media. I've seen it even with friends that I sit down with. You know, like my, my cousin is a teacher and, she, you know, she was telling me what a rough time she's having. Just the fear and the anxiety of even going back to school in September and not knowing yeah. what protection they had. And, you know, everyone is experiencing some version of it. And I think, you know, whatever you do in life to to feel like you, you can actually talk about it is a real is a real changing kind of moment um, and a freeing moment as well. So I think if anything 2020 gave us was was that kind of honesty and that kind of, you know, openness that perhaps wasn't there before, because I think Irish people in general are, you know, the, the, everyone knows the, the old saying of how are you? I'm grand. And it, it kind of gets left at that point. And I think there's an acceptance of that being OK. So I, I think there's there's gifts within the uh, the madness of 2020 but overall i mean i think the fact that i've i've had to see you in a mask has been an oh, a real improvement in general um so like, long may that last i keep the mask on <laughs> <laughs> that's why i wanted to do a christmas podcast i wanted to finish the year i suppose on a high or in a, in a fun positive way because as you said yourself and actually everyone that's been a, a guest on brian's big camp christmas chat so far has said that 2020 will go down history as the most challenging year for every individual out there i don't see how anyone to get through 2020 but i've been tested at least once a day right oh my goodness too many tests too many tests too many tests so tell me i'm presuming i know you joked you and amy huberman were the new ones who joked and said to me Oh, look, I really hate Christmas, but I'm just doing this because you asked. And I was like, when I see your message, I went, oh. please tell me he's joking just like that. <laughs> well, only because I know. Right? Only because I know how much you love Christmas. It's just my I way know. to get at you. But no, I, I think I, I have a weird relationship with Christmas because I think Let's growing, up, that. I, growing <laughs> up, I always loved it. You know, it was yeah. such, a, such an excitement. And I think kind of in my 20s when it became work, you know, because Christmas is probably for a food writer. You know, you start Christmas in, I think, probably in the summer. I think most right. of my Christmas work starts in summer. And like we've we're shooting turkeys at, in August and we're then doing Christmas Not basically shooting them recording them no so i mean basically when when i write the recipes we have to kind of test them and oftentimes with magazines and things or books or whatever it might be there's a long lead-in time so oftentimes and you'll hear this throughout the food industry um you know or, or particularly the food media industry is that there's always a long lead-in time for christmas because people know it's a busy time of the year so they try and get ahead so oftentimes you'll speak to a photographer you speak to a food stylist or a food writer they will always be working on christmas stuff long in advance of Christmas so by the time it rolls around I cannot look at another turkey You're over it. <laughs> when December You're over comes it. around so I, for a long time I think um especially through my 20s you know it was always work and it was always this like mad rush towards Christmas that just became quite stressful so I loved it but at the same time it was always kind of it was always marred by the amount uh, the amount of work we had done tr- up, up until it and then I want to say that you know having kids in the last couple of years has just completely flipped that on its head it it mm. becomes less of a you know less of a chore and really something that just kind of injects a bit of magic into the whole uh, thing again you know and and I'm so excited like 
I cannot wait for this Christmas because um, when do you when did you record your television show for OT? What month? You record that during the summer, don't you? We did. Well, we Normally. had to record it during the summer. So there's a perfect example. We recorded yeah. the Christmas episode of the TV show, uh, Donald's Family Food and Minutes, in July or July right. or August. So we yeah. had the kids in full Christmas outfits and yes. the Christmas tree in the studio. The whole thing was Christmasified and it was like in the middle of the summer. So this is a perfect example of why by the time Christmas rolls around for me, I've already done it. <laughs> I've already this agreed. is why I'm jealous of you. You get to celebrate Christmas twice. You're so lucky. I know, I know, I know. I should be, I should be more grateful. But actually, like I said, you know, having the kids around has just completely changed that. It's flipped it, you know. And now I think it's just kind of it's reimagining the the excitement and the you know the the I suppose the joy behind it all and and the the different stages of it. I think Sophie's really good um, at. At really celebrating it and Sweden has great Christmas traditions I always remember when I first actually one of the first jobs we had uh, together actually was how we kind of met we were working as a I was working as a chef in a restaurant um, that served up Swedish Christmas food in Gothenburg and Sophie's working as a waitress so our whole thing oh this is like a Hallmark Christmas movie it's just like was there a mistletoe except she was a crap waitress and she used to come into the kitchen and she used to come in and like I would get in trouble because she'd come and sit beside me while I was working my arse off in the kitchen and then she'd get in trouble I'd get in trouble and then every anyway so she was terrible she knows I've I've said this before so this comes as no surprise but yes that was our first please welcome to Christmas Confessions (laughs) (laughs) where marriages come to end (laughs) yes I did not know you and Sophie worked in the same restaurant. I did not know that. Yeah, we did very briefly. It was only like it was for the Christmas season of I want to say two thousand and six, and I I followed Sophie. So we met during the summer, and I followed Sophie over to Sweden. Followed love, and I got a little apartment in Gothenburg, and um, yeah, I, we, I, I had no job going over. I had zero work. And she had a friend who had worked at this restaurant and she got me in the door in the kitchen. I'd never worked a kitchen job before, um, never wore chef's whites, anything like that. That was actually a real turning point of knowing that I wanted to work in food because it was something I knew I could do. um, And I really enjoyed the the bustle and the hustle of it. Growing up with you as a child, I imagine your Christmases would have been quite magic. What was Christmas like for you growing up? Yeah, Christmas really for us was very similar. Like it was big on the traditions. Um, My mom has a big family and my dad has a big family. So there was always a lot of relations to kind of, we always had to, you always had to make sure you got to see everybody. So it always started earlier. Um, We'd often have my my mom's family on Christmas day and then my dad's family on Stephen's day. So um, there was, it was two huge big events um, that would happen in our house on, you know, on on Christmas day and then Stephen's day. So it wasn't just like catering for Christmas day, but you also to cater for the next day after so um, the preparations began long in advance and actually you know I I, I sound like a broken record around this time of year but I'm always talking about preparation when it comes to the Christmas dinner and you know the elements of Christmas meals yes come on give us some tips here come on am I going to give you some tips okay well look I mean ours always began with the vegetables so like you know a couple of days before my mom would be prepping up things you know things that could be done ahead like you know could you do your vegetables on the 23rd or no always do a Christmas Eve is the 23rd too early uh, the 23rd is not too early actually you know you can you could do the veggies now I hope I'm not going to be killed but you could do the veggies like you know four or five days in advance if you wanted right. to they will hold yeah. 
But you know, I think we always did it. You know, either tw- either the twenty third or the twenty fourth. Um, oh, it was part of the process. <laughs> yeah, there was a long lead in time, but freezers these days are top quality. Yeah, so. they're so good. They really hold the flavor. <laughs> they really hold the flavor. In. But no, like so, uh, that was as much a part of the traditions for us, and I just loved that. So like my my dad would always go get the Christmas tree. There'd be a big uh, argument over how the Christmas tree was to be decorated. Yeah. My mom has often decorated the Christmas tree, taken them all off and started again um, more than once. Go Liz. Go Liz. (laughs) Liz Liz likes a a good Christmas tree done right. So um, there's often been arguments. um, I don't know if a glass of wine may have helped things along to get the perfect Christmas tree in the end, but um, whatever whatever it takes around Christmas. But no, I think um, the 23rd or the 24th, it was always part of it. Family would come over, we'd all muck in. And I think my mom... I suppose my mom gave me the best piece of Christmas dinner advice, which is always to delegate and to make sure that you don't take too much on by yourself. Because it is like Christmas dinner is the craziest meal you will cook all year. A a symphony of vegetables, a gravy that has to be perfected. Symphony of vegetables, (laughs) the words you're using. You're going to set something on fire. It's insane. So the way that you can simplify it down is to delegate it and to give different jobs to people. So that is the best advice I, I always give. It's been given to me and I always give it out. Do you cook Christmas dinner for you and Sophie and the boys? Will you do that this year? Definitely, definitely. I mean, I think this is a big Christmas for for so many yeah. reasons. You know, we're we're back with family, and I think more than anything, it's just it's a it's a really special one in so many ways because I think for us, you know, we've been we've been in Los Angeles for the last four and a half years. We've mm-hmm. had Christmas that has just been all over the place every year since the boys were born and since we've been living out there because we're either scrambling to get home and having to see a million people. Or uh, we're we've been stuck in LA because the, one of the boys were born um, and we couldn't travel, so we've had family come over there. So it's been so disruptive in a way, and and, and we're celebrating in my mum's house, which is the house we always celebrate. My mum and dad's oh, house. Oh, that'd be nice, though. That's nice. Yeah. So I think you know it's it's a real I think it's a real opportunity to have a classic Christmas, and we haven't had one of those for a long time. So I'm I'm genuinely. Almost choking up thinking because it's, yeah, I'm, I can't wait. Pull back the tears, don't pull back the tears <laughs> towards the end. Get to the end. We're, we're only halfway through. We're only halfway through. Christmas is, I always find at Christmas there's a lot of pressure. And I think for parents when it comes to, you know, Santa and toys and presents. But, you know, talking to you, I'm thinking, actually, forget all that. I got it wrong. The pressure is cooking. And maybe I misjudged my mom for all those years cooking for the nine of us. Actually, you're right. There, it is full on, isn't yeah. it? That that making that dinner that I suppose we all fantasize about the Christmas dinner, don't we? And sitting down with our family, there is so much pressure just on that one meal. So much pressure, and often, and so often, particularly if it's your mum that always does, did did the cooking. You know, there there is that feeling of like, oh, this is just something that that kind of rolls out of the kitchen and is standard. But like the work that goes in, it does start like days, weeks sometimes even yeah. months beforehand like particularly if you're yeah. getting your christmas pudding or christmas cake sorted so yeah like your your mum did a, a lot of work to get those christmas dinners to the table but when you're cooking a turkey is it like an hour or like 30 minutes for every pound or have i got that am i making that up look at you go well let me just say something the sort yes. of turkey, size of turkeys that we have in our house we always st- <laughs> they start in the oven from about nine o'clock in the morning so that and then on christmas we, eve <laughs> on christmas eve yeah Yes, the same as us, and the smell will be amazing. <laughs> are you, hang on, are you going to be doing the Christmas turkey this t- this year, darling? It's not a joke. I no, I never get. I'll, I'll ch- look. I'll chop a vegetable. I'll do all that. I'll roast a spud. Well, I'll try. 
Um, I will, I do the palatial stuffing that goes in the turkey, but I won't physically put anything up there. Okay. I'm, no, I don't, I don't, my sister, you know, shoves it, she's, I'm like, oh no, it's coming out of its neck. She goes real deep, not me. I just like to make the potato, the onion, the herbs, do all that. She physically puts it in. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. No, so you, you I don't like to get my hands dirty in that way. So you pass the book. Okay. I understand. That's <laughs> what I said. Yes. But will no, you be in the kitchen this Christmas? I delegate. I delegate. You delegate. I, You've I taken delegate. my advice almost too literally. Yeah. So hang on. Will you be in the kitchen this Christmas at all? Yes. 100 percent okay. i i'd be getting down there doing it but i won't take on anything too major like cooking a turkey no because that went wrong christmas is ruined <laughs> this is true and, and that's why there is a lot of pressure i've had i've had things go wrong on christmas dinner at one and because of this delegation sometimes my mom likes to take over at christmas so i have to kind of like i have to peel back things from her like the dessert and the ham and the starters um but one year i took on the ham and um i don't know what we were thinking but i got my timings off and i went for a oh, walk no. we brought we just got the dog um our new our, our max <laughs> max yeah. was a new puppy so we were all very oh. excited and i took him for a walk and did a big long cliff walk but let it like simmer long and then um, we basically turned it we it turned into pulled pork rather than a beautiful christmas ham and there was absolutely there was killing well, so i had to run down to a supermarket get it, and i ordered this beautiful ham and then i had to run oh. to the supermarket and thankfully there was there was ones left and so yeah this was all the day before so there was time to save it but jesus this wasn't Christ, christmas that was Day. Christmas could be saved. Christmas was saved, but that was the most stressful Christmas Eve I've ever had. <laughs> Do you find there is pressure on parents and people? I generally at Christmas, I, I suppose twenty twenty another level. No, I think there definitely is uh, Christmas pressure, mm. whether it's the presents or whether it's the meal, or and then also you know on top of that, you it's it's a time of year where you're throwing people who don't normally all sit together, you know, in in one place, you know, big extended families, and there's always room for. Uh, killings and <laughs> fights and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. So, you know, um, maybe that's the advantage Alcohol of 2020. Will be flowing. Yeah, exactly. And and maybe that's the advantage of 2020 that there, you know, we have to have slightly smaller meals. But no, I mean, I think in general, um, it's not only the pressure of the meal, but there is, you know, there's this big push towards this big day. And I think in the later years now of, you know, and new years of parenthood, certainly we've kind of dialed back that and tried to kind of put a little bit less pressure and you know from a presence perspective you know I, I think it's we've always been more about like meaningful gifts than big kind of and I know this is where we always differ <laughs> yeah <laughs> you yeah. want the glitter and the and the yeah. jewelry but we yes. are more about the meaningful gifts I know this wooden is where we trains, always differ wooden bikes paper <laughs> yeah. Fuck off yeah no so that I mean I think that for me I know this sounds sentimental and completely ridiculously soppy, but like I will. I'm not at all shallow. I will just <laughs> the opposite of me. I haven't said that about you directly to your face, just behind your back. Um, no, but <laughs> I, I honestly, all I am uh, right now, all I am waiting for is just that lovely day where we can all spend time together, and I just couldn't care less about presents. I just want a really delicious meal and time with family. Will you have to wake the boys up this year, or will they be up and around? And does Noah understand it at three? Oh, they will be well up. No, Noah definitely knows. He's really excited. Right. He's singing um, the Santa version of B-I-N-G-O at the moment, uh, which goes <laughs> S-A-N-T-A, S-A-N-T-A. So, yes, he sings just as beautifully as I do. But no, oh, so he's he's all about Santa. He's all about Christmas. And um, and Ollie has just started walking as well. So he's like, he's up and about. He's all about the presents. Um, no, so I think this is probably, 
the first year of really like special childhood Christmas. Yeah. And I, like I'm genuinely really excited about that. Um, but no, I think more than anything, uh, like for them, it's it's another exciting day. And I think the lead up to it is is almost as, as brilliant as the day itself. So um, we're getting the elf on the shelf out. The elf on the shelf thing is almost as much pressure as Christmas itself. Yes, yeah, I agree. So Donald, tell me, this is a very poignant question. And my voice always changes when I ask my guest this question. Donald, what does Christmas mean to you? Well, that was beautifully put. Do you get my sincerity? I, I got the sincerity. I think that's. Are you, well, you I think that's where, what are we're all here up? for. It's, <laughs> are you welling up? You're crying. You're I'm crying. crying. I was genuinely crying, and that are nearly choking up. And you were you you <laughs> shut me down, Brian Dowling. I was like, <laughs> shut down my bitch. emotions. Um, I have a habit of doing that to Arthur quite a lot. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it in person. Um, <laughs> okay, now what does Christmas mean to me? I, it's a difficult question because I think it's meant different things to me at different times of life. And oh, I think, you know, as a child, that said that. it was you're the first one that said that. Really? Okay. Well, no, it's definitely, and I, I, I really believe that like we go through different chapters of life and, you know, particularly, you know, your childhood is one thing and it's, it's all about the magic of Christmas. When you get a little bit older, you kind of, your teenage years, it's a little bit awkward and it's that, do we still believe? And, you know, at 18, I still did. So it was really awkward. Um, and then <laughs> into my twenties, it became... Uh, this explains a lot. This explains <laughs> this a it, lot. I know. And then it's John, my twenties. we're never too old not to believe in the magic of Christmas. We're never too old, never too old. And then in my twenties, it was all, it was all about work and, you know, it was all about the stress, but like coming into my thirties, I'm just like, I am so ready for Christmas and it's, it brings back so much nostalgia. And I think with the kids now, it's just this really special moment for us um, to kind of stop. And I think because of the work we do, it's always mad. It's always a rush. And Christmas for me really means just spending time with family and particularly in a year that it's been, I think it's about, it's not as much about presents. It's not about the food. It's really just about getting time spent relaxed and chilled with family that's what it means to now me. that's lovely that sentiment can you stop saying because arthur listens to this it's not about the presents yeah. stop saying arthur that. it's not about the presents don't worry nothing <laughs> just give him a piece of coal before this i was saying to arthur on the way up here to record i was like i wonder what donald's favorite christmas song is and <laughs> i don't know I, and i said to arthur oh i bet it's one of those probably like you know opera songs or like a piano or something really oh, I'm oh, surprised you said that. You've heard, you've heard my music taste. I thought you'd go for something ridiculously poppy. Well, something what do you really think my Christmas? What do you, what do you think my favorite Christmas song is? I think it's probably going to be something like Mariah Carey. I'm a huge fan of Christmas FM, which is a fantastic charity um, Christmas radio station that pops up in Ireland every year. And actually, the beauty of it is that they transmit across the world. I listen oh, to fact. it religiously through as the, from the minute they start broadcasting to the, the moment they stop. I have it on in the background all the time. I absolutely love it. Um, and... I think listening to that has kind of because they literally play the Christmas songs on repeat. <laughs> I, the I, same songs over and over and over. And over. over. I, can tell, I can tell you that I have. I can on with without without fail. It is not Mariah. With Christmas. no hesitation. Without thank you. With no hesitation, I can tell you that it is certainly not Mariah Carey. It is Feliz Navidad. Oh my goodness! That's the exact same as Tommy Poe. Is it really? Yes! I had no idea what that song was! I knew me and Tommy Bow had something in common. I just had to find you it. Two big Irish lumper lads who love the rugby and the beer. Yeah, you know me, mucking in with the lads. Actually, Tommy also likes the Eurovision. 
Just... So maybe, maybe there's something going on here. Tommy, come on, we go out for a drink. <laughs> because I love Eurovision and I love a bit of like you know foreign music. Um, it has it has a bit of Spanish in it. Feliz Navidad. Who would have thought Feliz Tommy Navidad. Bow, international rugby player, and Donald Skian, Peter Pan in 1984, would have that Christmas song in common? Who knew? Who knew? That's why Brian's Camp Christmas had to come to light uh, to unveil that I'm information. You, what year did we do Panto in? <laughs> 2008. Seven? Eight. 2008. 12 years. Happy anniversary. That is funny because you, how, how wonderful is that? That is so weird because this comes as a cum accumulation of our relationship. It started for Christmas. It ends at Christmas. So it's been lovely to get to know. <laughs> Take care. Take care Good and goodbye. And actually, funnily enough, um, lovely Carl Broderick and Alan Hughes, who, um, who created the panto that brought to light our friendship, um, yes. They are currently doing Peter Pan in some yes. incredible drive-in way with my former band member, Michelle McGrath. Um, so I think it's quite fitting that we are doing Brian's Camp Christmas. Now, Peter Pan is think, back. Listen, on, on listen, the... listen, listen. What, what, what? Why didn't our phones ring? Why didn't they ask us back? Well, you could so easily have played Peter Pan and I so easily could have played Captain Hook. I've not aged a day. I know. Neither have I. I haven't gone grey. I still have that those boyish good looks. <laughs> good luck. You still got that little angelic voice. I've got Do you remember the song? Beautiful thing. I think that's why they didn't ask us back, because neither could fucking hold a tone. Do you remember <laughs> oh, no. that song? And I said to you on show 68, by the way, babe, what's that song you're singing? And you went, I'm sorry. So just to give I you context, know. the reason I got I the role know. on the, that panto this year, because I was just a nobody, whereas Brian Dowling was TV's Brian Superstar. Dowling. Superstar. All Brig Brother winner, the usual shite. Um, yeah. <laughs> I usual uh, shite, got the role exactly. because I had been in Eurosong that year with my own, uh, my own song, Double Cross My Heart, which Carl had worked into the panto, which I performed yeah. as part of the panto every single night. And it took till the yeah. very end of the run <laughs> for Brian to go, what is that song that you sing? And I was yeah. like, are you? What and that? why? <laughs> and then I seen, I got access to videotape of you in a tin foil, can I speak, a tin foil suit losing to Dustin the Turkey. Yes, I did lose it. But look, these are formative years. I was only 19 or 20 at the time. So these were formative years. So, you know, I will say to whoever is out there who, who takes a chance, who dreams a dream, just go for it. And if if all else fails, you'll fail. Uh, you'll you'll fall flat on your face with, with a puppet overseeing your destiny. Do you know for Arthur's 40th birthday, that obviously did not happen because of COVID. I'd asked you, would you come out? And this is the God honest truth. Often he found out recently because I forgot that I didn't know. <laughs> and we can't say his party. I had asked you to perform Double Cross My Heart for Arthur at his party. <laughs> and you had said yes. Would you have done it? I just don't know. I mean, I think if I'd had some back, if I'd had some backup from a few people, I might have done it. But no, I mean, I still do have the suit. So it's a possibility. Let's never Would rule it out. Fit? Would that suit How dare fit? you? How dare you? Oh, I may have put on a few dad bod towns, but do not come for me, Brian <laughs> Dowling. 
So now we know what your favourite song is. Tell me, what's your favourite movie? And has the movie changed over the years, your Christmas movie? Ooh, okay. So, the yeah, the, the movie's a hard one because I think I have a lot of, like, nostalgic memories of the, of the movies we watched. And then I have some modern ones as well. But I think the ones that definitely come up every time are Home Alone. Home Alone is... Home Alone... Actually, Pop Home Alone answer. 2 over Home Alone 1 because I think they really... I, the whole thing of Christmas in New York is what really brings the Christmas magic to that oh. movie. And I think they I think they even amplified even more Christmas in Home Alone 2 than they did in Home Alone 1. So I think, yeah, Home Alone, it's a great movie. And I, I don't think it's an instant Christmas movie because there's so much other things happening. But, you know... Chaos is the word. Chaos, chaos, chaos. chaos. But, you know, the, the bones of it are that magic moment at the end where, you know, he's reunited with his mother. And... Don't ruin it! <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Sorry. What if no one's seen the first one? No one's seen Home Alone 2, yeah. Someone's still working on Home Alone 1 and waiting to go into Home Alone 2. But now, like, I also love, like, the grown-up Christmas movies as well. I'm a huge fan of Bad Santa and Elf. They're my my two favorite grown-up movies. Or Bad Moms, the Christmas special. That's a good one. Bad Moms Christmas one. That's funny. Okay. 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 You're not really into that, are you? I used to like Bad Mommies. He likes Good Mommies. Best Christmas memory, Donald. Best Christmas memory. Is there one that sticks out in that old head of yours? There is. There is definitely oh. one. Um, yeah, there was one particular one that um, always comes back to me. And I, I do get asked this question. And um, my dad was sick during, when we were kids. Uh, he had to go into hospital for an operation. And he had, he had some time to recuperate afterwards. And in that time, unbeknownst to us, he took it uh, upon himself to restore an old wooden rocking horse that he'd got at like some cheap auction and it was in bits and he spent I think the month of December ordering I didn't know you can order pieces of horse hair and leather saddles and all this sort of stuff so he went and he restored this Christmas uh, this Christmas miracle horse and um, on Christmas day uh, my brother was only four I was about eight and this Christmas horse (laughs) came out and it was probably just the most memorable Christmas present we ever got and I think it was the extra special because he'd been sick that year and you know it was just that like yeah it was a real moment i don't think i knew it at the time and but now when i think back to it it was was, lovely lovely but also love the way he was recuperating but he clearly didn't rest at all yes he was restoring the rocking horse (laughs) he's out of work he's off work (laughs) we've seen the best one that's really sentimental and really really nice worst christmas memory and i hope it's is it it's at the ham one or is there something funnier that happened over christmas that you went out did that happen so my worst Christmas memory was it was there was alcohol involved. <laughs> nice. I'm already engaged. So I feel like you're going to be on the edge of your seat. I don't know what was going on. Like I said, Christmas had always been quite stressful in my 20s and there was always, you know, a lot leading up to it. So It sounds like you're already apologizing for your No, I know. I know. I'm I'm so, okay. So Okay, so <laughs> I can't even get through this story. And I know what you're like after you've had a few you drinks. You know what I'm like. I can't, an Uber with you. I cannot, so I cannot hold my drink. Okay, so, so I, I, there was been so much stress, and I'd put this great Christmas menu together, and we'd been so hard, we'd been working so hard up until this, and I'd made this amazing damson. Um, <laughs> damson vodka, which so or, or was it dad's gin? Anyway. So it's this it's this little fruit that you can forage in um, in Irish hedgerows. And so I'd popped it into loads of booze. And that was my the cocktail to start off the night. So I was I was pouring it willy nilly to everyone. I continued to drink it throughout the Christmas meal alongside all the other booze. And by the end of the Christmas dinner, I was on my ear and basically shit faced -faced and was entertaining the whole (laughs) 
<laughs> the whole family. Oh, I bet someone songs, dances. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else was talking because I was doing the talking. So it escalated. And then I I was getting so excited that I, I remember that my friend had given me fireworks for. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? He had given me fireworks uh, because we were going to celebrate New Year's together. We were all going to like all our friends were going to get together. We were going to get fireworks. So I had the fireworks down in my house and I was like, Christmas Day, we need fireworks. So we went and got the fire. My aunt drove me down and we got the fireworks. And not only was it a bad thing that I was using the fireworks for Christmas Eve, but on the way home, I found a dog. What? <laughs> That's not where I thought this was going. I thought you were going to say I burned the house down. Ha ha, wasn't that funny? But the dog, he was, so like in my drunken state, this dog was wandering the cold streets on a Christmas. Okay, so you were being protective on Christmas caring. Day and like, uh, the Christmas day night. So I was in like in my drunken stupender. I was I was like, we have to take the dog. We have to yes. take the dog. So I took the dog yeah. under my arm, the fireworks in the other. <laughs> Prioritize. We took the dog back home. And so the most of so set off the fireworks, let them all off. Obviously. Absolutely having a great time. The dog's in the house, living it up. We're giving him the Christmas dinner and everything. He thinks all his Christmas has come at once. And the next day I... I had the worst hangover I've ever oh. had. Like, were you nauseous? Ever. Like, of course you were nauseous. Hard you. Yes. move with, with oh, the, the no. hangover. And um, anyway, the <laughs> someone says to me on Facebook, there's someone looking for their dog. <laughs> and their dog's gone missing on Christmas Day. So I end up giving the... <laughs> <laughs> so then anyway this this goes around facebook and so anyway we had to we had to say and so thankfully they, we found the owner for the dog but i just felt like i had stolen the dog on christmas day <laughs> that, that took turns i wasn't expecting oh god it's so funny when i think back to it because I, I i then had to sheepishly answer the door in my pajamas with a fucking worst hangover and to hand, the person whose dog you stole <laughs> and hand the dog back to the person i'm whose dog. sorry oh god this is not how what I What was the dog's name? About. What? What was the dog's name? I have no Do you think I knew what the bleeding dog's name was? Fluffy. What color was I the dog? Know. Can you remember what color what color was the dog? It was a little like it was and that's why I, I took such pity in my drunken haze. He's a, he was a little kind of blondie sort of um, I bet it was freezing. You were thinking you were doing the right thing. I after and all in, time. in in retrospect, I did the right thing, but I didn't follow through. I did. Put, I think someone of the family had put it on Facebook, so that's how the person knew that we had the dog. But See, it um, ended well. It, it ended well, but I, I don't know. I think I was just so excited about the dog and the fireworks, and yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I do love a night out with drunk Donald. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. they are just and yeah, they're just so fun. And with the next, like you, you get really bad hangovers. Uh, I, I actually get worse. I get worse as I'm older. But you're so but yeah, annoying to drink with because. Because you hold your drink and I cannot I keep up with your drinking. I know. And so it always yeah. ends up with me just becoming your court jester while uh, <laughs> while you... At like 11 o'clock and we fully been drinking for two hours. I know. It's a quick night. And you're still elegantly, sophisticatedly sipping a cocktail. darling. I'm hanging of off course. the ceiling. <laughs> you said Christmas for you, you know, it's about family and, you know, spending time with Sophie and the two boys and creating memories. Park that for a second mm -hmm. and tell me what's the most extravagant gift you've ever bestowed upon someone or someone's ever given you or maybe something that sticks out in your memory over the years. This is the most Brian Dowling Christmas question of them all yes, because I, <laughs> I often I really worry. 
I often worry when I leave you with Sophie for too long because Sophie gets ideas about Tom Ford sunglasses. She gets ideas yes. about Louis, Louis Vuitton, Vuitton Louis Vuitton bags. And then I yes. see we have a group text message where I see Sophie like pops in. Guys, what do you think of this? And I'm like, you two better pipe the hell down. <laughs> I'm like, go big. Yeah. Go big it's go always big. go big. It's always go big. Yeah. But no, um, so the most extra ex- so the most extravagant Christmas present I think I've ever given is um it was probably one of our first big holidays and um I bought Sophie a trip to Vietnam and Thailand. And oh, at the wow. time it was we were only in our twenties, so it, it had cost quite a lot of money and you know, it was like a big splurge and I had certainly had never spent that on a on a Christmas present before. So that was our our first big kind of trip together and our first big moment of travel um and it still goes down as one of them our most memorable holidays it was like a real voyage of discovery and um, we had we had lots of time in a really bougie hotel and then the rest of it was spent doing what you would have absolutely hated which was like on the fly on trains on buses (laughs) and doing all that sort of like backpacker life if i go away on holiday if I go away on a holiday, I want to get away from get, jumping on a Lewis or jumping on a bus. <laughs> I know, but look, I did, I did chauffeur driven car. I did the couple of days in the fancy hotel, and then the rest was. I, I, I'm a food writer, Brian. I have to go and get some inspiration, you know. I know, and I watch all your shows constantly. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> have you ever given a gift, been given a gift, or anything given to you at Christmas when you were younger, and you kind of had your heart set on something else, and when you opened it, you went, nah, nah. <laughs> oh my god i've just remembered okay so i couldn't remember my worst christmas memory and so here is this is this is the christmas present that okay there's a bit of a story behind this because it's not it wasn't a present for me but it was given at christmas in our family and now i'm gonna totally out my brother with this with this sorry john (laughs) with this uh with this story but my brother at around christmas used to watch all the tv ads and you remember they used to really nail kids with like you know the ads for the different toys and everything like that i know that doesn't happen as much nowadays but um my brother who is one of the manliest um masculine men um who you will meet he wanted at i think he was six years of age wanted a barbie doll <laughs> what Oh, this is way before the time and it was acceptable for boys to play with girls toys. We are, we're talking mid 90s where you wow. get your head put in a toilet for Go that. John. For, and Go for, John. Yeah. So John wanted a Barbie and my parents, thankfully, growing up, were very forward thinking and um, were always very supportive. Well, they had you as their son. Yeah, well, they had me you. as their son. <laughs> Hello. Come on. <laughs> the boy who likes Eurovision. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> cookies, baking cookies, you know. No, but, but like they, in fairness, them they were supportive of whatever we were and whoever we were going to be as kids. And whatever toys you wanted. And to whatever with. toys we wanted to play with, they were they were going to be there for it. So my mom diligently bought a Barbie doll for John for Christmas, and nothing was said. We all opened our presents. It was great crack. No one raised an eyebrow over the Barbie that John got for Christmas until. The second day, and um, my dad's family had all come over, and we we had lots of older cousins um, in my dad's family. So, like we, you know, it, we were the I was the eldest in my mom's family of cousins, and then when the when the skiing family came over, it was always the older cousins. So you always had to be a bit more cool, or you had to try and be a bit more cool. And so we were all talking about the presents we got. We were all having a great time, and then the Barbie doll was spotted, and someone went, "Who got the Barbie doll?" And my brother pipes up and says, Donal, 
five minutes. Oh, the what? little fecker. Shit. I thought he was going to go, I got a Barbie doll and I won't be judged for it. No, no, he was the exact opposite. Don't he like, he put it all on me and then I got it in the neck for getting a Barbie doll because it was the 90s. And then this like, so he totally put this on me. It was this whole thing. And so I do remember being absolutely mortified at the time. Now I would be forward thinking and being like, you know, you know, whoever wants whatever they want. So when, they, when John went, him, he got the Barbie. What, did, what was your reaction? I still remember wanting the ground to swallow me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not at all surprised. You probably played with a Barbie doll. And we, we all played. We we played dress up. We played Barbie doll. Oh, no, go we John. Very, go John. Very That's a great story. <laughs> I love the way John was not ashamed to get it. Your parents like, yes, let's get him the doll. But then when he was held accountable. I know. That was like, the worst part. Enough. Enough. It was him. And it's believable to me that they probably thought, of course it was Donald. Of course it was Donald. Of course he's the he's not the one playing football. He, he's that fellow who yeah, makes the cookies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Donald! Well done, John. What a, I, considering he's the younger brother, yeah. you kind of expect that to be something the older brother does. Oh, right? I know. I, I was just such a nice <laughs> older brother. That was the difficulty, right, John? Um, I'm sure the answer to this is yes. But <laughs> at school, did you take part in nativity plays? I definitely did. Yeah, We're, we had a great tradition in our actually not not only nativity plays, but I was I loved doing the school musicals. I did Fiddler on the Roof and I did uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and loved doing the um, school plays. But the nativity plays, I only kind of have major memories of them as, uh, you know, obviously <laughs> now I'm thinking of them. They don't have them in senior school. So that's probably why I don't have memories. <laughs> I think that's probably a wise decision. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, no, so I do have memories of <laughs> Well, this is awkward. Who's that 18 that that pubescent 18 year old playing Jesus the baby Jesus? <laughs> you and a major topless. Hiya. I know. Oh god. Uh, okay, no, I do remember, but I actually don't remember nativity plays. I always remember kind of like school Christmas shows. As a parent, it must be quite nice to go and see your kids, especially at Christmas time. Yeah, no, totally. I think, you know, and there's so much of that that's wrapped up in part of a Christmas tradition you know I love I love actually there's a big nativity scene you know like the, it's it's a big part of what Christmas traditions are Donald Skeen plans hopes wishes for 2021 oh my god well I think yeah. the complete opposite of the first question how was 2020 <laughs> for you <laughs> I think I let's end it off we you know we are I, I'm very happy to say goodbye to 2020 and in a way mm -hmm. I actually feel like I'm coming into 2021 much stronger and i think I, I it's a sentiment i think a lot of people share um you know we've seen a very very rough year and i think coming into 2021 your your expectations are are changed and i think because of that you can feel like there's more openness and there is more possibilities and there's more opportunities and i think just kind of having that mindset flips things a little bit you know and and having the awareness of what covid has been i definitely feel hopeful i really do have, feel hopeful um we have Big plans, you know, there's lots of work stuff that's that continues to come in. I'm so grateful for that and, and thankful for that. Um, but I think more than anything, my biggest lesson in 2020 has been to really put family and friends first and to really just lean into those little moments of, of and, and also taking care of yourself, like those little mm. moments that fill up your cup. That's what 2021 is for me. And I'll be trying my best to, to not forget that and to lean into it as much as possible. Well, for 2021, I'm going to try and make it my, well, I'm going to try and make it 
my will to make you a better drinker. <laughs> that is, <laughs> as you know, impossible. <laughs> that is impossible because if I gave you five double vodkas, you'd be you'd be gone. Honestly, actually, that that's my that's my hope for 21, uh, 2021 is to not drink with you anymore. Or <laughs> flip it, out drink Brian Dowling. Is to not attempt to out drink Brian Dowling. Yes. <laughs> Donald, thank you so much for being a guest on Brian's Big Camp. Christmas chat. Thank you, Brian. And thank you, Cassie. And thank you, Arthur. I know there's a team that goes into creating this. And um, I'm just so glad that uh, 2020 has been the year that brought to light Brian Dowling in podcast form. But also a big thank you to you because you were the first person who spoke to me about doing a podcast at the in the very first time. And that was Death Becomes It. It's true. I in am, your, I am the puppet kitchen. master. You are the puppet master. <laughs> Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas and a big happy Christmas to everyone else listening. <laughs>